Senecumbo. Williams, stout defense. Threw it to himself. Oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside. Wow. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just, it's just instincts. It's instincts. Um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Lately, it has been working out. So, yeah, it's just instincts. You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Monday. The voice there of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Big day yesterday, triple-double in a Bucks win on the road in Boston. And joining us right now and for the next hour to talk all things NBA playoffs on the Roman Guest Line is Ryan McDonough. He's our Odyssey NBA Insider Ryan, welcome to the show. Excited to have you for an hour here. And uh, we'll start with yesterday, which were two really entertaining games. The Eastern Conference, I think, you know, you really started telling us about how well the Celtics were playing a couple months ago, and they've proven it out, swept the Nets. And I, I, I still like them in the series. But yesterday, it just it kind of reminded us, like, when one team has the best player, they have a chance. What was your reaction to the way Giannis played yesterday? He was plus 23, I think, the only player in that realm. I mean, he, he just dominated that game yesterday. Yeah, he did. Joe, Aaron, great to be on with you guys. As always, the scary thing for me, if you're a Celtics fan, is Giannis didn't play his best game yesterday, and the Bucs still won easily in Boston. I thought Drew Holiday was terrific. Bobby Portis made a number of big shots. They got bench contributions from Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. Uh, so Milwaukee can play better than they did yesterday offensively, especially Giannis. So, um, you know, everything went the Bucks' way in, in game one. I thought their defense was tremendous. And Emi Odoka said it post-game last night. I think it's probably a lot of truth to it. The Celtics can't possibly shoot worse than they did in game one. They just couldn't make a shot. So I expect some mean reversion in game two. I think the Celtics will make more buckets, but uh, certainly a good start for the Bucs, which uh, clearly shifts the pressure in this series to Boston. They have to win game two at home. Yeah, once the Robert Williams injury happened during the tail end of the regular season, a lot of people thought, okay, they're they're not going to be able to advance without Robert Williams. And he played 22 minutes yesterday. We were in that 14 to 16 range in the first round against the Nets. And uh, he did make an impact. By the end of this series, are we going to are we gonna see normal time from Robert Williams? I think we're going to have to, Joe. I, I think the Celtics need him. He's their best interior defender. He's their best rim protector. He's one of the few guys in the league who is agile enough and plays vertically well enough to move with Giannis and contest Giannis at the rim. Uh, so I, I think Boston needs that. Um, but, you know, I, I give the Bucks a lot of credit. I mean, as you guys know, I picked Boston not only to win this series, but to advance out of the Eastern Conference and play the Phoenix Suns for the championship. And Milwaukee, without their second or third best player, depending on how you rank Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, I think they're both really good. Um, they, they looked dominant yesterday. So um, th- this is a, you know, a stiff test for the Celtics. I think whoever wins this series between Milwaukee and Boston will advance out of the Eastern Conference and represent the East in the NBA Finals. Um, but yeah, I think Robert Williams' minutes are going to be extended as the series goes on. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. As you know, sometimes with these series, uh, there, there are shorter breaks between games. Then sometimes it gets extended out with multiple days off between games. So uh, mm-hmm. I would I would imagine a gradual ramp up from the Celtics. Um, but in game two, I mean, as, as much as he can play, especially when Giannis is on the court, I think they need him because, as you guys know, we saw it in last year's finals. When DeAndre Ayton was off the floor, if you don't have an elite athlete, an elite rim protector against Giannis to protect the rim, uh, he can just go nuts and roll off, you know, nine, 11 points in a row and end the game. So uh, Boston needs to be on point on the perimeter defensively, and they also need Williams to protect the rim as much as he can. 
Ryan, the other game we saw yesterday, Warriors-Grizzlies. Grizzlies had two players score 30 or more points, still lost that game by one point. John Morant misses that layup. Clay misses the two free throws. It was a crazy game. Um, what is your assessment of that series? Are you worried? I know you're big on the Suns. Are you worried about the Warriors? I think it will be Golden State and Phoenix for the Western Conference title. I think those are the two best teams I've seen in the West, maybe in the playoffs. I would have put the Celtics in that group uh, before yesterday. Um, look, I think Memphis had their shot to potentially steal this series yesterday. And what I mean by that is, as I look at the rest of the way, uh, Draymond Green is going to be available. And Draymond said after the game last night that he hopes they rescind his flagrant two, which uh, is potentially important long term for flagrant foul points and suspensions from playoff games. But he should be available for the rest of the series. Um, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. was out of his mind yesterday with some of the shots he made. Uh, Jackson's a really talented player, a good shooting big man. But I don't know if you can expect what he did yesterday to continue, at least not consistently. Um, so as, as I look at it, I, I say, all right, three of the next five games potentially are in San Francisco and, you know, game two. I mean, I, I think Boston, there's some scenario in which the Celtics could lose game two and then still win the series. It would be difficult. I think if Memphis loses game two at home, it's over. Right? It, it, may, it may be a sweep. Uh, that's how much pressure the Grizz are under. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I do think this would be a long series. I, I don't think uh, this would be a sweep, but Memphis has to win game two. And um, I'm sure they're kicking themselves a little bit today uh, with Ja missing that layup at the end and not being able to contain Jordan Poole, who was explosive yesterday, in my opinion, almost single-handedly won the game for Golden State. Ryan, you mentioned the uh, the flagrant points. Remember back in 2016, those those points knocked Draymond Green out of a finals game because the the, uh, the low blow, whatever you want to call it, to LeBron James, and he was out and missed the next game. Ryan, what did you make of the Draymond foul call yesterday, the the flagrant foul on him? It was the, when I first saw it, my thought was, you can't get knock him out of a game for that. And then I watched it, and he did pull him down. Now, he caught him before he hit the ground, so he kind of mitigated it a little bit, but – I see. I can see how the refs saw him pull him down by his jersey. That's got to be a flavor. What did you make of that call? Because obviously Draymond, he didn't like it. No, he didn't. And Golden State didn't. Uh, we saw Draymond not only with the foul, but with his, with his reaction after the game. And then I guess this is the new world of, of the NBA and sports media. Then he went and did a podcast and explained himself right after the game. And I thought he was unfairly penalized. Um, guys, I generally like letting the players decide the game. I, I know that may sound simplistic, but to me, unless it's egregious in a playoff game, I think the players should play. I, I really do. I mean, maybe that's, again, overly simplistic on my part, but I think that's one of the criticisms in the NBA is that players can foul out. So in, in cr key times of crucial games, especially playoff games that decide playoff series, if not the NBA championship, the best players often aren't available. And now with a flagrant ejection, not only did it impact Golden State in game one. Unfortunately, if you're a Warriors fan, they were able to hang on and win the game, but it could impact them going forward. So again, I always default. I think that's what the fans want to see. Uh, if it's blatant, I understand you have to do it. But to your point, Joe, if it's a gray area or uh, if it's close, but not blatantly obvious, I think it's flagrant one and let them play on because Again, it's four flagrant points for a player to get suspended. Uh, each flagrant, depending on the severity, is one or two. Draymond got a flagrant two yesterday, which means an ejection, and he's halfway to a suspension. I think that's unfair, and that I hope uh, before game two starts, the league walks that back and downgrades it to a flagrant one and gives them a little more breathing room before the suspensions would kick in. Yeah, Ryan, and certainly everyone agrees that we want to see the players decide these big games, but from almost night to night, the referees end up being a story. We shouldn't know their names, but we all know their names. We talk about the history with Chris Paul, 
Celtics fans very upset yesterday when they saw Scott Foster was going to be involved. And then we saw they end up losing home court in game number one. Uh, as an executive, big game. How do you react with what you can share when you see certain guys that are going to be on the court for your games? Well, it's, it's a challenge for sure to contain your emotions, especially the emotions of a playoff series where, uh, keep in mind, these, is, these were, you know, jobs are made or lost or you get extended or fired a lot of times based on the results. So there is a lot of pressure, uh, certainly, on players, coaches, executives, and everybody involved. Um, you know, what I'd always do, uh, Joe, is try to, you know, be fair about it. Try to take the emotion and bias out of it as much as you can. And what we would do is after the game, especially when I was in the Celtics front office and we had really good runs to the finals a couple of times playing the Lakers in 2008, 2010, you would get with your coaches and the video guys, break down the film and then send in certain plays and, and ask questions. You know, it wasn't more we tried not to be too accusatory, but, um, you know, what did uh, Scott Foster see here? What was Joey Crawford thinking on this play? Help us understand because we don't get it. We don't see it. I think there are ways to make your point uh, other than saying, you know, this guy's got a vendetta or bias against us, um, because as you guys know, and you said it earlier, the top officials in the NBA are going to do the big games. They've done them for decades. They're going to keep doing games and whether you know, you think Scott Foster's controversial or uh, whoever, Zach Zarba, you know, these guys, you turn on the NBA playoffs, they're on every single night. And, and they are some of the best in terms of, you know, my, my opinion, in terms of watching it objectively. Uh, but that doesn't mean certain teams and franchises feel like they're disadvantaged or certain players feel like there's a bias against them. So, again, I'd always try and it's hard in the moment. It's really hard, especially right after a game, right after a loss to take the emotion out of it and not, you know, call the league office or do something crazy. You go out in the media and lose your mind. But you, you have to try to keep it factual and unemotional and just say, hey, look, help us understand this. We thought uh, we, we got a bad whistle last night. What do you guys see on this play? And some of that is getting feedback from the league. And honestly, some of that is setting up the next time when the officials come in for the next game. Uh, hey, here, here's how you know the Celtics or Suns, whoever felt they were being officiated uh, wrongly, incorrectly last game. Uh, we want you guys to keep an eye on this. Yeah, Hugh Holland's always out to get the Bulls when I was a kid. Always, Hugh Holland. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what are you seeing from Clay Thompson? It seems like his confidence is through the roof since he's been back. The way he defended Jaws' miss layup, um, he said after the game, too, he was playing angry. You could tell he really missed being in the playoffs. Um, just curious your assessment of how he's been. Yeah, I thought early in the year, especially toward the middle of the year, Aaron, I guess when he came back, he, he struggled. I mean, it, you could tell he was rusty. Keep in mind, this guy hadn't played since the 2019 final. So almost two and a half calendar years without playing an NBA basketball game. Um, you know, all that time, all that missed uh, rhythm and, and, and then the rehab and the mental and physical strain it takes to get back to be playing at a championship caliber level. So I was really happy to see him. You mentioned the missed free throws earlier, and those certainly could have been costly for Golden State. Uh, but he made the biggest shot of the game, too. That, that up fake three, you know, with about 37 seconds left. Um, so to see him hit that shot, to have the confidence, uh, not only to ball fake, sidestep, shoot it in, um, I was really happy to see him back. And um, this is why, you know, Golden State looks really strong to me, guys, because um, if Clay, he doesn't have to be the old Clay, um, but I thought toward the middle of the season, again, he was, you know, not a very good NBA player. And I think he'll admit that, just shaking off the rust. He is getting better. Steph is maybe the best of all time uh, in terms of shooting, ball movement, all that. He probably is the best of all time at that. 
And then you have an emergent star in Jordan Poole now as the third option uh, with Draymond and some of these guys. Gary Payton the second looks great with their off-ball movement and backdoor cuts. So I bring it up because I don't think Clay needs to be uh, the second-best player offensively on a championship team like he was in Golden State prior to Kevin Durant's arrival. Uh, I think with Jordan Poole's emergence, Golden State can do it in a more balanced manner. But uh, it looks like Clay is gaining confidence. I was happy to see him play 31 minutes yesterday, and uh, you mentioned it. He, he didn't have a great game in terms of statistically he wasn't super efficient, but he made the big shot offensively. He got the big stop defensively. And most importantly, his team won game one on the road, which uh, is a more talented opponent, you know, as the more talented team in the series, in my opinion, bodes very, very, very well for Clay and the Warriors going forward. Ryan McDonough hanging out with us. He's going to stay or Odyssey NBA Insider. On the other side, we'll dive into tonight's game. Sixers Heat, Mavericks Suns, those series, those odds on the other side, right here on the BetQL Network. These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth on BetQL Daily from BetQL.